get into it. We've been studying Genesis. And so what I want to get across tonight is this, this friendship, this camaraderie. And I'm going to try to be quick so we can, uh, but in being quick, I also don't want to diminish that pineapples and barbecue is more important than the word that feeding on that means more. We we're excited about it, but I also want us to remember this gathering together. There's something that we unite under a banner that we unite under. That's, that's bigger than pineapples. Thank the Lord. And it's bigger than barbecue, but it's our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ, who is our King. And we live under him and his reign of that kingdom. Amen. So we've been studying through Genesis and the reason I start in Genesis is because I believe it's so vital to understanding who we are as a people and what our call is in our, in every walk of life. So within our family, within our neighborhood, within our community, within our city, within our state. Um, so as we do just a quick kind of recap of it in Genesis, we see, um, and you can go back and hear all these messages online at gccto.com. If you want to catch up, we're about to go into chapter six. So I'm going to kind of fly through five chapters and kind of tell you what the Lord's been pressing upon my heart. Um, so Genesis one, we are studying that it's not just simply the creation of matter as, um, just things like you didn't just create me just like the matter, but through it all, we see that God is assigning functions to the things that he creates. And so we get through creation. And then on day six, we come to be right. God creates man. And when he creates man, uh, so in Genesis one, I'm going to try not to get into the weeds here, but in Genesis one, we have the creation of uh, male and female. He created them in the image of uh, in his image, he created them. Right. And then in, in, it's later in Genesis two, that we see that he took woman from the side of man. So then we see him to come together, but we see as humanity in Genesis one, we see our role as people, the, uh, the Imago day, we have the image of God, only humans on the earth have the image of God imprinted on them. And then he gives us a charge when he creates us. So he's created us. He created Adam, who is a specific person, but he also created Adam and Adam is this archetype for humanity. So when we think of Adam, we think of this is a case for humanity, right? So he creates Adam and he charges him with be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And so this is our marching orders. We're we're talking about the beginning here where heaven and earth are completely overlapped and that human humankind is walking in fellowship in community with God on earth. And this is actually the picture that God is getting us back to in revelation that he's going to get us. That's why revelation has so many, so much garden imagery is that he's getting us back to this place where heaven and earth are fully overlapped and we are living under his his kingdom. And so we have this charge as human beings to, to rule and subdue. So that, um, that has a different connotation. I think in our Western society now that rule and subdue, it sounds very domineering. What it's saying is to cultivate. So the Lord has taken and he's created order out of chaos. In beginning of Genesis, we see it starts out with uh, wild and waste. Tohu vavohu is the Hebrew. So it's wild and waste. And the Lord takes wild chaos and he's creating order out of it. And he's telling us, you're my image bearers. Now continue the work that I've done and rule and subdue, cultivate the earth, go fill the earth, 
continue my creation, my beautiful creation, as you bear my image, be do as I have done because I've imprinted myself on you. You, you reflecting me. Does that make sense? So as we have been built with this and then what is, what is humanity humanity do in the archetype of Adam? So Adam and Eve, these people is out of everything they've been given all the affluence that they have, they've been giving so much. And what do they focus on? The one thing that they can't have, right? So they focus on this one thing and then they're deceived by Satan comes to them. This serpent comes to them and, and deceives them. And again, I'm, I'm trying, I'm fighting from going back into my sermon when we did each one of these weeks. So humankind decides to, to grossly understate what happens. Humanity decides that we are no longer going to live underneath this covering of God as our King. But we believe that if we step out, that we can be in that role and we are going to be equal with God and we can make these decisions. We can know right from wrong. And so humanity, we, we step out from underneath that. And in doing so, this great chasm has been created and we're ill-equipped to make the the leap in that chasm. And we're ill-equipped to be in the position that we put ourselves in. We were never created to be the Lords. We were never created to be the Kings, but we were created to be in submission to the King who's ruling and reigning. And he knows as he's created us, what is best for us in a culture today where we have massive identity crisis It's all because we are fighting to say that I know what's best for me. And as we do that, and we keep making decisions that are simply based on the emotions that I feel in that moment, that this is what feels good for me. So I'm going to go towards it. We're reverting and going from before, which was order out of chaos. And we're leading back into chaos. And as you look at the society around you, I shouldn't have to explain anything. Our society going back to chaos as we all pursue what's right for us, right? What's, what, what's right in our own eyes, pursuing our own desires, our own lusts, our own feelings, put it, putting those as king. So we see humanity step out from under that. And then we see the ramification of those immediately, even before God shows up in the garden to confront Adam and Eve, what do they do? They cover themselves, right? So it's an act of self-atoning. And notice God's not even present before humanity. There's a chasm between humanity. Now they've stepped out from under the, the order of God, the order of their King. They've stepped out and now there's two people and Adam doesn't know if his standard and what he's thinking is what Eve's is. And Eve doesn't know is Adam's standard, what I am. And now there's a chasm between Adam and Eve. And so they initially not even covering themselves because they're ashamed from the Lord. But now their, their islands in and of themselves, covering themselves up from the one who the Lord brought to be their helpmate, right? So now we see this, these broken pieces are just colliding with each other. And so then we, we fast forward and all while we, they were never the image of God, the Imago Dei was never removed from them. So then the Lord comes to them and he says, okay, here's, here's the ramifications of what you have done. And he didn't just cherry pick uh, punishments to heave on them. Like, oh, I'm so angry. So women, childbearing is going to be terrible. And, oh, guys, what can I do to you? Uh, work. I'm going to make you hate work. <laughs> That's not what he did. 
So if you go back to what was what was the original charge that the Lord gave Adam in Genesis one? Right. So what is he, what is he hinting at here? It's your core is broken. So be fruitful and multiply. So one of the, the core things that we are to do women, it's the, at, at your center, at your core of who you are is now broken and then cultivate rule and subdue the earth. Men, your, your ability, this, this core of you is broken. So it's not simply a cherry picking of like women. This is your cross to bear men. This is your cross to bear. He's saying that as humanity, as these two that he is, he's created to then be one that at your core, your very core, you're broken. And now this is going to be painful. And this is going to be painful because now you're out from underneath this covering. You guys track with me. You make this making sense to you. So then we have, we still have this charge as people, as humanity, and we still bear this image. And so then we go through, we have the fall, we have then the curse. And then we see in Genesis four, we have Cain and Abel, right? So we have the next generation. And then we see how we know the story, how Cain murders Abel. And then his defiance, if, if you go back and study it, his defiance to the Lord is, is reminiscent of, of Adam but yet Cain has a little more edge to him. Cain is a little more defiant. Cain is a little more where Adam is a coward. Cain is, I would say defiant. And then we go through a genealogy real quick of Cain's line. And it's awful. It goes downhill quick where we, he, he builds a city and uh, he builds a city. And within that city, we see artists, we see musicians, we see craftsmen, being formulated in this city. Right. And then it ends with Lamech and Lamech is, it should to us when we read, it should be this big exclamation point of look at how this sin has just compounded as humanity has run from God. Lamech is the first polygamist in scripture to where now, instead of the two will become one, which is in Genesis. Now we see uh, oppression that we see Lamech is, is accumulating wives as property. He's also bragging that even if a paraphrasing, he's saying that even if a boy were to bruise him, he would take vengeance out on him. And he says, uh, if, if Cain's vengeance is seven times, then Lamech's is 77 times. So it's, he's the, the number means endless. So he's just rageful, prideful, arrogant, oppressive. This is where we land as humanity, as we step out from underneath that covering. And, but then there's a glimmer of hope. So then it goes back and we start this new line. It says that in the, at the end of Genesis four, I think it's four twenty-five. It says that the Lord blessed Eve with another son who was Seth. And then we follow that line. And it's this, this line that you can tell. Um, oh, at the end of that of 25, it says, uh, in those days, men began to call upon the Lord. And you can see there's this desperation in, in humanity at this point that they're, they're calling upon the Lord and whatever standard that Seth is, is putting down, it's carrying and it's translating into the generations to come. We even see that we get to Enoch at the, is the seventh generation from Seth. And if you read through the genealogy of Genesis five, shocking reading through a genealogy and being entertained by it, but it's actually really interesting. Read through Genesis five and the genealogy. And when you get to the seventh generation, the, the cadence 
of what's being written is broken. And it says that he walked with God. It's, it's bookended by he walked with God. And he's the only one who at the end, it doesn't say, and then he died, but it says the Lord took him. So he didn't experience death. And so we see this, these, these men following Christ until we get to Noah. And so we're about to, that's kind of where we are as a Sunday night group. We're about to dive into Noah. Seth was this bright point. And we're going to see ultimately what comes from him from that line. But here's the sad news. Even with Noah, we all kind of know, do we know the story? Stuff doesn't go great, right? It goes downhill. And so as I've been explaining on Sunday nights, and if you come back, you'll probably hear me say this. As we read through Genesis and the Old Testament a lot, but as we read through Genesis, it's like Star Wars. Pastor Rob always references Star Wars bar scene. Uh, and I just realized that, and I've been referencing just Star Wars in general, so maybe we're two nerds. Um, so, so with Star Wars, part of the cinematic value is that there are, you jump from planet to planet, from story to story, from place to place, right? But all the while, you're aware of this overarching story that's happening, right? It's this battle of good and evil. It's, it's the force and, and what have you. So we take the same approach with Genesis. There are, these are people that we're reading about. This is history. This is stuff that happened. And we can learn things through each one of the story that's, that's happening. But I want something to be brewing in the back of your mind as you go through Genesis and study, specifically 3 to 11, is that there is this overarching downward spiral of humanity that cannot thrive in the place that they've put themselves. They've stepped out from under this covering and they cannot thrive. And it's all pointing to you are in need of a savior. You are in need of something bigger than you. You can never pay this debt. You will never be able to live up to perfection. There's the, there's a wage for sin and it's death and you are in need of a savior. And then we will see if you come back in Genesis 12, we go from Genesis all the way up to one through 11. We have this big cosmic view. And then at 12, we're going to, and we're going to kind of start to see the beginning of this rescue mission that's coming about. So tonight that's a lot. But what I want to say to you is going back to what we have to keep going back to what our original charge was. And what was that? What was the original charge in Genesis one? Right. Be fruitful, multiply, rule and subdue. So we have a responsibility and that's not just, this is ancient Near East text, uh, but it's applicable today. This is these, this is the charge for us as believers. Our identity has not changed. And so we have a responsibility. If you come, if this is your church family and you come on Sunday mornings, you have heard it over and over and over again from our senior pastor that we have a responsibility to our community to engage in our culture, to step into our culture and not sit on the sidelines of affluence and expect that how everything has always been, it will stay that way without any work. But we are to step in and engage in our community. And I'll tell you one thing. I have learned work is way easier and you can disagree with me. You want, I don't think you will, but work is way easier when you do it with your friends. Work is way funner when you're surrounded by friends that you trust that you can do shoulder to shoulder with. Right. I've been, I did, I bit off way more than I can chew with a house remodel and on my, I'm on my own. I kid you not. I had probably, 
I would have lost my mind. But I had buddies with me. I had a bunch of buddies here from church just coming over and helping. And work days became hangout days, and they were fun. And we magically got work done. But we do this together. This is a, a community event. This is a family. We, we engage together. As I was thinking through this, and it's so funny. So you all have, if you don't know Kevin, you've heard of Kevin because he's the one, Kevin Golan, he's the one who's getting all this barbecue to, together, right? Uh, master barbecue. It was fitting that the analogy I'm using tonight, it was actually, he played a major role in that as well. So um, this is my, my brain works with analogies and it helps stuff stick. So Hopefully it works for you. Um, so we have, we just got into a new place. Um, never owned my own yard really. And so we have this little blue nose pit bull, like 60 pound blue nose pit bull, sweetest guy ever. His name's Bruno. And um, he's roaming outside and I don't think anything of it. He's always outside and we've been in the house for, I don't know, a month now, something like that. And so then my wife noticed um, something was wrong with his foot and his foot was swollen up. There's this big red blister on it. So I was like, Oh no. So I'm looking it up. And then I realized, I remember cause I had dogs as a kid. I was like, Oh, foxtails. Does anybody, anybody have dogs in here? And anybody know foxtails? So it's awful. It's the worst. It's the demon plant. Uh, so it's these little barbed weeds that are basically will only go one direction and it will implant in, I mean, thank the Lord, it, it went into his foot because it goes into dog's ears and dog's eyes. And these things just slowly dig deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper until you have to like, I was going to say put the dog to sleep. That's not what I meant. So you have to give the dog an uh, anesthesia and then and dig this out. It's It's a major, major deal, right? And so our, I'm taking Bruno to the vet and like, oh, they're going to have to like numb his whole foot. They're going to have to dig up his foot and pull this thing out. And it's such a major thing for what, what would have at the beginning been just getting rid of the foxtails in the yard. And I think sometimes as believers, we forget that there's no neutral, that we're either moving forward we're either engaging our society and moving forward or it's, it's naturally with this sin nature is reverting back into chaos. And so we don't have the option as believers to take the vacation from loving our community and reaching out to our community. I, uh, Micah and Quinn one day came over and we chopped everything in the yard. So everything was clear. How silly of me. If I were to a year from now be frustrated that my dog was in the backyard and got another foxtail in his foot, it, it requires constant work, right? It requires me not just knowing it, but getting up and going in the yard and clearing it. Because what is at one point, this tiny little thing, this tiny little thing in my yard that grows, doesn't seem really harmful my dog steps on it. My dog doesn't yelp, just like sitting there on his foot. And then slowly, my dog's not, no warning signs, and it's working its way up his leg. And then all of a sudden, it's a major deal. And don't we find ourselves like that with our society? That all of a sudden, stuff blows up, and then we look around, and what happened? What happened? How did this get so serious so fast? 
I would say that 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 should be a gut check for all of us as believers is, man, could I have, could I, could we have done something sooner? Could we have engaged this sooner? So I go to, when we're pulling all these barbecues out from Kevin's house and he has this big area of just clean dirt and then it's roped off and Kevin has two big dogs. So I said, Kevin, what's all that area? He's like, oh, it's, it's where I let my dogs run. I was like, really? He's like, yeah, it's foxtail season. I was like, oh, I was like, Bruno just got a foxtail. He's like, yeah. So I took the torch out there. I burnt everything. I churned it up, took the torch out again, burnt it all again. That's a lot of work. That's a ton of work. But guess what? Who's benefiting? Yeah, Bruno, his dogs. He's creating an environment now where they're going to thrive. And you know what? Maybe the society, maybe what we're doing for our society, they're not going to see it right away. That us loving on them, us, us standing for our Christian values and guiding people with love to our Savior who has had grace on us and has redeemed us, maybe at first they're not going to see the value in it. Does that mean we stop? Mark McKinney, the pastor up here, a uh, sweet guy. I've had lunch with him multiple times, but he said it. It's, it's our job to obey, not to expect to see or to know why we're supposed to be doing what we're supposed to be doing. God calls us to do something and we do it. And we see this in Genesis that they are living this, this legacy that is being left is not because they know the end. It's because they're living, they're calling on the name of the Lord. They're living for the Lord. They're living for him, trusting that Lord, whatever, I don't know what the future holds for my community. I don't know what the future holds for my kids. I I don't know, but I'll be faithful with that. You've given me kids. I'll be faithful with that. You've given me a community. I'll be faithful that you've given me neighbors. I'll be faithful that you've given me friends in my workplace and how that shakes out. I'm going to let you handle that, but I'm going to be faithful and engage and know that it's not in who I am as a believer to be on break, but it's who I am to cultivate, to, to continue in that creative process, to, to build a world that is, that is envious that this just, this wasn't part of my analogy, but that your yard, your neighborhood would be the envy of all the dogs, that that was the yard that they would play in, that they would not get foxtails in. That's the place where this is Newbury park, thousand Oaks, the Conejo Valley. This is going to be a place that as we engage together, that our communities will be changed as we pursue, as we engage, as we, as we, uh, again, it's, 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 I think it's hard for us, but the, the rule and subdue, the cultivate, as we cultivate our communities, we engage our communities, we love on, on the people around us. And it's so much easier done with your friends. And like I said, Mike and Quinn came over and we cleared that yard and I'm going to have to do it again, but that's my joy. And lastly, so if any of that, and I said this last week, if any of that feels like Hey, Christian, work harder. Hey, Christian, be better. Hey, Christian, suck it up, toughen up, do more. Paul says in Colossians, he says, he, he's speaking of his struggles. 
And he's saying how he, he has joy through his struggles that he has the privilege of sharing in, in Christ, uh, in what he's paid. And then he ends with for this, I struggle with all. Well, I, I struggle is the main thing. So he says, I struggle. So then it's on him. And then he says with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. And it's like this brain twister for me. Um, and how I make sense of it, how that makes, how that lives out in my life is when I look forward, it looks like work. It looks like hard things. It looks like hard conversations. It looks like I'm actually working and working. And so that's the part of, I struggle. I struggle for these things and it, it feels like work to me. It looks like work to everybody else. But then whenever I look back, I go, that's for sure. The Lord that did all that. Cause I know me and I ha- I couldn't have got myself here. That's, that was all his energy. And he was powerfully working in me. So then I look forward again and I go, man, that totally looks like I'm doing the work, but I'm going to work. I'm going to work. I'm going to work. I'm going to work. And all the while I'm probably making bad decisions. And then I look back and I go, wow, look what he's done to where now I stand here in this place, confident in where the Lord has called me. I, um, it's hard work, but I, I believe in, in what I'm doing is what the Lord wants me to do. And yet there are thousands of bad decisions that I made behind me. And yet still I'm here. How is that? It was him powerfully working within me, powerfully working within you to move forward. So don't be afraid of hard work. Don't be afraid of the hard conversations that it's, well, this is just legalism. This is just me pulling myself up by my own bootstraps. But this is the Lord working in you. And you will see that as you change your vision and look back, you'll be amazed at what he's done as he's gotten you to where you are.